Anyone? Yep, okay, I thought there'd probably be a few more people. Uh, in our day and age, uh, we have a pretty constant soundtrack, don't we? Uh, walking around with our headphones. Uh, there's not many people around these days who aren't affected by music in some way or another. And yet Christians have long been known as people of song. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about a little bit today. Why do Christians sing so much? Now, of course, I'm not saying that Christians have a monopoly on song. That would just be arrogant. But there is something about the Christian gospel which inspires people to write all sorts of wonderful hymns and songs. Some of our most famous songs still in the West are Christian songs. They're about Jesus. Uh, So you think about uh, Australian Idol or um, The Voice or whatever it is, and every now and again you get someone who's going to sing Amazing Grace and they warble it up and down, but, you know, that it's about Jesus, isn't it? Or perhaps uh, for some of uh, you older generation here, uh, you might know of the Handel's Messiah, very famous uh, song, uh, or sorry, piece of music. Uh, you YouTube generation might have seen the flash mob uh, video where people started singing the Hallelujah Chorus in the shopping centre. Do you know the Hallelujah Chorus? Hallelujah. You know that one? It comes all the time in movies, on ads for soap or you know, whatever it is. That's a song about Jesus. And we use it to advertise soap. Well, anyway, Christians have been singing for 2,000 years. And why do they do that? We're known for people uh, to be people of song. Uh, certainly large portions of our Christian meetings when we get together are singing. We've already sung, I think, is it four songs already? Uh, I'm going to sing a song, we're going to sing a song later on. We, we, we do lots of singing, don't we? Large parts of what we do, in fact, large parts of the Bible are songs. Did you know that? I'm sure uh, if you've ever read the Bible, you, uh, particularly if you've uh, just come to it for the first time, you're probably, oh, what am I going to do? Whack it open in the middle, and there you are in the book of Psalms, 150 songs. And that's just... Uh, that's just some, one book full of songs. There's other parts all the way through. You know, Isaiah, that's pretty much all songs. Jeremiah, pretty much all songs. There is tons of songs in the Bible. People sing about uh, when the prophets uh, lament, they sing sad songs when God judges. Women uh, will have a baby after they've been inferred off for some time and they sing. Uh, there's erotic love songs in the Bible. I don't know if you're aware of that, but there's one whole book full of erotic love songs. The Bible is full of songs. But there is one thing in particular that may make people sing hallelujah. By the way, hallelujah just means praise the Lord, if you weren't aware. There's one thing in the Bible, the good news of the Bible, in fact, People in the Bible are constantly singing praises to God because God is a God who saves people. Now tonight uh, we're going to have a look at an example. Uh, It's in your Bibles uh, and if you've closed them, please open them back up uh, to Psalm 40. Uh, We're going to look at uh, one of the greatest uh, songwriters of the Bible, King David, and one of his songs. Now if this was, uh, if, if we had the top 40 of Um, you know, Bible times, King David would be that guy who's always got the number one hit. 
many of the famous psalms are written by him. Uh, and we're going to look at one of the more famous psalms, Psalm 40. In fact, uh, if you're familiar with U2, U2 turned this into a, a big pop song in the 80s. Uh, well, David did it first. Um, and that's what we're going to have a look at today. Uh, so make sure you've got it open. There's just a few things as we go through that I'm going to draw out. Um, but it'll be helpful if you can look. And we're going to start there at verse 1. That's little number 1. And David's thinking uh, back at a time over his life and a time when he's been in trouble. Let me read it for you. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. David's been in a tough spot. He's been in uh, big trouble and he describes it as uh, a desolate pit, a, a slimy pit, mud and mire, sticky mud that you can't get out of. Now this is a, a poetic way, I think, uh, of talking about a very bad situation one that he can't get his self out of. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's literally talking about being in a pit in the ground, although possibly that's what he's talking about. Um, but more likely, David was chased around, people trying to kill him uh, for large portions of his life, and, and probably that's what he's reflecting on in the past. Uh, as, as he thinks back to a tough time in his life, uh, he describes it like a, a pit. He's trapped. He can't get out. Now, I wonder if you've ever had uh, that feeling of being, of being trapped, of, of being hopeless in whatever the situation is. Uh, the sudden sinking feeling in, in your stomach that there's no way out. Maybe in an actual life and death situation. Uh, that, that's happened to me. Uh, I remember once uh, I grew up uh, in Wollongong on the south coast of New South Wales. Uh, and as you did in Wollongong, I learned to surf as a young teenager um, and I, I went out bravely into big swell one day and I you know, fell off my surfboard, got dumped, uh, struggled up, caught a breath just in time to see another wave pummel me uh, down underneath and I, I, I got down and tumbled around and I just had no idea which way was up and I swam for what seemed like ages. I, I still can remember that feeling, my lungs burning, my arms and legs, barely able to pull myself through, and I thought, I'm going to die. I'm going to die here. And I prayed, please don't let me die, God. And uh, then I, I felt the tug on my leg, and I felt my, my uh, strap that held me to my surfboard, and I kind of climbed up my strap and got out and kind of floated uh, or got washed into the, to, uh, the shore. Have you ever felt something like that, where you just think you're going to die? Or perhaps not physically, but uh, socially or emotionally, you've just got no options. No options left to you. Uh, you, you. You feel hemmed in by badness of some variety. Perhaps it's your own badness, something you've done catching up with you, as I, I shared earlier. Uh, I'd behaved badly and it caught up with me and I had no good options but to admit that I had done the wrong thing. Uh, perhaps it's someone else's uh, bad actions that are impinging on you, but you, you feel hemmed in. Do you know that feeling? That's what David's feeling. If you can recapture that, you'll know this slimy pit. 
this mud and this mire that David's reflecting on? Well, whatever, whatever it is that David's thinking about, whatever it is, he couldn't do anything but, you see there in verse 1, wait for God to save him. And the point of the psalm is God did. God has saved him. Somehow, uh, God pulled him out of that metaphorical pit. And when David looks back over his life, he knows God is a God who saves, which leads him to do the next thing in verse 3. What is it? To sing a song. Have a look at it, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. David goes, because he's been saved, he can't help but sing, sing praises to God. A a bit further down, he says it again, uh, verse 9 and 10. Uh, When he gets together with people, uh, the people of God in the assembly, i.e. church, getting together, uh, he can't help but speak to sing. His mouth won't stop talking about God. I'll read it to you again, verse 9. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips. As you know, O Lord, I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. You see, being saved by God is so good that you've just got to tell it. You've just got to sing it. Incidentally, for those of you who are uh, Christian already here today, this is our motivation for telling people about Jesus. Not because of guilt, not because of um, fear, but because actually what we've got on offer is really good. I hope you haven't missed tonight's opportunity because you didn't bother asking someone to come along and hear the gospel preached. Because what we've got here is good, really good. Anyway, as I said earlier, Christians are often known for their songs of praise because there's something wonderful about the message that we've got and there's also something wonderful about music which really helps uh, to capture our feelings towards God, having been saved by him. But if we understand that Christians sing songs of praise because God saves, it, it does demand that we ask a question, of course, save from what? Well, you can see that at least some of the trouble that David has is common to all of us. Let's have a look in verses 11 through to 13. David says, I do not withhold, no, sorry, do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and may your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more, that is his sins, are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. You see, David is actually looking back on a time when God has saved him in the first few verses because now he's in a situation where he needs God to save him again. But it's not from a pit. It's not from probably someone trying to kill him. What it's from is his own sin. Do you see that? So much sin that he's got more uh, sins than hairs on his head. And I'd like to think that probably David wasn't bald when he's saying that. 
David's asking God that God will be merciful on him. He's asking for salvation from God's very own anger at David's sin. Christians sing not because they've been saved from the surf. Christians sing not because uh, they're, they're not being chased by an angry King Saul or whatever it is. Christians sing because they've experienced this kind of salvation. Salvation from our sins. You see, the Bible is crystal clear that we are all like David in Psalm 40. Each one of us has sin, and, and therefore each one of us is actually in a desolate pit, in the sticky mud and mire. Each of us has, has the dirt of our own sin around us, and we're stuck in the pit of the grave. Because that's what a pit is, in case you didn't know, a big hole in the ground that a dead body can go in. If you think back over your life, like me, uh, you'll know that you, you have treated other people badly and you haven't even lived up to your own standards. But sin, it, it's not just some somewhat ambiguous moral sort of standard that's set either out there or that I choose for myself. Sin's a bit more serious than that, actually. Simply put, sin is our rebellion against God. Sin means that we want to live life on our own terms and not on God's. Now, you may not have actually actively decided, I'm not going to obey God. But sin is living without reference to God. Ignoring Him, treating Him as irrelevant for this or that or most of my life. And that's something that I've certainly done and I'm sure you've certainly done as well. The message of the Bible is that we all live this way. In fact, I can give you 100% proof that every member of humanity needs their sin dealt with. Because the consequence of human sin is human death. The pit, again. Everybody, me, you, out there... We're going to die, and they will put us in a pit. Like David, we're unable to get ourselves out of the pit. It's the direction that we're all heading, and no matter what cosmetics we put on, or sporting achievements uh, that we do to keep our bodies fit, we can't do a thing about it. If you, if you don't get this, that you can't do anything about it, I don't think you're ever going to get Jesus. And you're never going to sing those songs that I've been talking about. We can't save ourselves. You can't chip away at the edges of the pit with your good works. It just makes the pit bigger. And it's no good to deny that you're in the pit because one day it'll catch up with you and you can see it all around you. No, we're in trouble, just like David was, and we can't do anything about it, just like David could. But the amazing thing about the gospel 
why it's such good news that generates all these songs is that even though we can't save ourselves, God saves. As we've already heard in verse 1 and following. He does show that mercy that David was crying out for. And he has made a way to pull us out of the desolate pit, not just the the metaphorical pit of, uh, of feeling bad, but the real pit, the grave. You see, when Jesus suffered on the cross, he suffered the punishment for our sins, that our sins deserve, and he was placed into an actual pit, wasn't he? An actual grave, a tomb in the rock. The grave that you and I are looking towards because of our sin. He did that in our place to save us. But of course that's not all. Jesus rose from the dead. He came out of the grave. The pit was empty. Death, the ultimate pit of no escape, has has a ladder dropped into it. Jesus promises that anyone who believes in his name will have eternal life. Death no longer has power over us because even if we die, like Jesus, we will be raised. We'll live forever with him. Our sin and our guilt uh, against God has been paid for by Jesus, so the punishment for sin, death, can't hold us any longer. That is why people sing hallelujah. That is the great salvation that only Jesus offers. He saves us from sin and death. In that uh, second Bible story uh, that we had read for us, uh, we uh, sorry, John, I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with you from the front. We were showing what's happening in heaven right now, I think, not in the future. What's happening right now is that everyone in heaven is praising God, uh, sorry, praising Jesus, the Lamb, because he died to save people. And that's the direction, the future, that we are heading towards, that we will all join in that song. And so I want to invite you tonight to join the rest of us in singing along with David. That is... I want to invite you, I'd love you to share in the experience of knowing that God is very good and has been very good to you because he saved you in Christ. Now, I'm going to be uh, hanging around at the cafe uh, later on, a cafe, uh, what's it called, coffee house, uh, later on. And so I would love to speak to you further about this if you're interested. Or perhaps if someone has brought you along tonight, it would be wonderful if you spoke to them. Um, don't, don't get away from here uh, without talking about this salvation that Jesus has offering. God is, God is good. He's worth us singing our, our songs to him about. He sent his son to save us. He's defeated death. And that's why we can't help but sing. So I... I'm going to do a couple of things now. Uh, I'm actually going to sing a song, uh, and after that, I'm going to uh, pray for us. 
Now, uh, I'm going to sing a Christian song. Uh, it's an old hymn that's kind of been made new, uh, so some of you might be familiar with it. Uh, I don't think the words will be up there, but if, if you know the song, you're welcome to sing along with me, but there's no pressure to do that. Um, what I would like you to do is to reflect uh, as I sing uh, whether you would like to, to give your life uh, to Christ. I'd like you to spend this moment, uh, and perhaps this will be a time uh, that you can say a big amen uh, to the song at the end. I'll just get set up and uh, then I'll sing. I need to turn this down a little bit. Consider all the works thy hands have made. I see the star, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. When to the wood and forest glades I wander, And hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down on lofty mountain grandeur, and hear the brook and hear the gentle breeze, then sings my soul. Then sings my soul Then sings my soul Then sings my soul And when I think that God his Son not sparing sent him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul Then sings my soul Then sings my soul Then sings my soul When Christ shall come 
with shouts of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in Father God, you really are great. Help us to sing our praises to you. Help us to sing that people might know and fear and put their trust in you. I pray that people will have done that tonight and that we will go out singing your praises. Amen.